Welcome to the Collective Scope Podcast, where we talk to great leaders who are influencing the next generation. Rob, we are back at the Collective Scope Podcast studios, and we have on air with us a new friend, Brian Dixon, art, uh, author of Start With Your People. Um, Brian is sort of a social media online business guru. Uh, but also man of faith. So we're excited to talk yeah. about those tensions and those um, things. So Brian, welcome to the, to the Collective Scope podcast. Jeff and Rob, thanks for having me guys. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Awesome. So, so what I know about you is you were a classroom teacher at one point. Yeah. So how did you go from classroom teacher to solopreneur, entrepreneur, and teacher of entrepreneurs? Oh, it's such a great question. You know, I, I started, actually, I became a teacher because I wanted to be a rock star and it didn't work out. <laughs> so, hey, hey, so pause right there. Rock star, like, like what's your band of choice? So, does, you got to clarify that. Like, who do I like now or who did I like well, then? Who, who, like who, who was your inspiration? Yeah. Kurt Cobain. Okay. Oh, but I wanted to yeah. live for Jesus instead of like dying and for, you know, like for my art or whatever. So right, no, I right, wanted to be, cool. I wanted to be Kurt Cobain for Jesus basically. <laughs> so did you ever do like a remix of teen spirit with like Holy spirit or something like that? Or that's so funny. <laughs> I, we, I could never convince my band to do any Nirvana covers just because the lyrics are so weird and so dark. Um, but you can, I go back to, cause we had tapes, like we would record tapes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. So I, I've gone back and listened to some of those and I'm like, that's who I was trying to be. And then, and then my sister was in the band for the first year, but then my parents moved away. And so then we had another girl join the band who, you know, we became good friends. She was in the band for like five years and she loved um, Dolores from the Cranberries. Oh, and yeah. so, we, we, our band was basically acoustic Nirvana meets the Cranberries trying to be Fleetwood Mac all in one. So it was basically a disaster. <laughs> so, so then how did you get from there to being a teacher? Because that seems like an even bigger leap. I was, I was in this life-changing car accident my freshman year of college. And uh, it really caused me to, to think about like, why am sure. I here? Who am I, who am I for? Like, what am I for? Who am I for? Why am I here? And, uh, and, I, and I realized sort of through that process of recovery um, that teaching and engaging people through Sunday school teaching, through, through camp uh, counseling. I was a camp counselor for several years at a, at a Christian Bible camp. Um, you know, to even teaching guitar lessons. Like I was making an impact on people and, uh, and I was seeing the work go beyond myself. And, and so that kind of led to, you know, tragic story, which all bands eventually have is the band eventually broke up, you know, as we were all graduating from college, mm. I was like, let's go with the band. Like we're in, I bought a motorhome, you know, I painted it green. I, uh, <laughs> wow. The story gets better and better. It, it was a motor. I got a motorhome and a cat and I was like, we're traveling the country and we're going to book all these gigs. And so I started booking the gigs and the, 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 the best part of our band is that we had a violinist and she was awesome. So wow. we were like this acoustic folk hodgepodge band kind of thing, but we had this amazing violinist and she met a guy her senior year in college and she quit the band. She had a, he was like, you have to choose between me or the band. And she's like, <laughs> I choose you. And I was like, wrong choice. <laughs> so she quit, which means basically like in, in our, like our tagline, it was like folk rock with violin soul or something weird. I don't know what we called it. And like when she quit, it was like the, the rest of the band was like, we're done. I was like, done. No, let's keep going. You know? So I'm stuck with a motorhome and a dream. And you know, the girl breaks up with me, you know, the cat gets sick and the motorhome breaks down. <laughs> it was just like the worst. So Maybe you should went to country money, music, Brian. Right? Sounds I took the like rest of the money song. that I had saved up because I actually saved some money up and I was so depressed. And I, and I went to my parents, I was like, what do I do? I think I had like $3,500, which at the time I thought was a, like oh, a yeah. lot of money. And they're like, you should go to Europe because I have cool parents who, you know, I don't know, they believed in my band and, and they, they knew God wasn't done with me yet, you know? So like, you should go to Europe, yeah. use the money to go to Europe. So I bought a Euro, Euro, Euro rail pass, let me say that again, Euro rail pass, 40 days, I flew into... Dublin, Ireland. And then I left from, I think Berlin, Germany it was exactly 40 days. So like how biblical is that? Right? Like mm. 40 days, wilderness wandering. What's God's dream for Brian now that the band is done, college is done, no plan at all. And literally before I get on the plane, 
um, my parents were like, you know, we actually think you should go to to CIU, Columbia International University, where my dad was now a professor, because there's a tuition discount. They're like, you could go to CIU, get your master's in teaching, you could teach during the year, and then you could still do the music thing on the weekends and in the summer. It was their idea. And I got on the plane saying, that's a dumb idea, I will never ever do it. God took 38 days to break me in Europe, traveling by myself, completely bummed out and depressed, tried to write a novel, like, like on like as I'm like wandering. And literally day 38, I'm, I'm, I'm literally sitting on a, uh, a curb, you know, in Cherbourg, France, this like little town in France. It's raining, it's late, I'm exhausted and now completely broke. And, uh, and it was like, I think I know what I need to do. Like I need to go to CIU and become a teacher. So that's how long it took. I don't know, some of us are more stubborn than others, I guess. Oh, that's yeah. crazy. Uh, <laughs> would, would it be awkward if I said I love you right now? Because I, mean, I think I think our <laughs> stories are, our stories are like so similar. It's it's crazy. But yeah. uh, anyway, but, so so you yeah, go ahead, Ralph. No, I was going to say. I mean, I think I think you know, leading into sort of the the next question, um, this whole process is that where you really discovered what it meant? Because I've heard of a three sixty assessment. Like I yep. do that in a hiring process, right? Yep. But but to do a 360 assessment of your own life and really what that means um, and how that kind of reveals to you sort of those pathways and purposes uh, that God has planned for you. So talk mm. to us a little bit about uh, what you also discuss in the book about that 360 assessment. Man, I wish I, wish I knew about this thing 20 years ago, you know? Uh, I wish that before I went on that trip, before – I mean, even when I was in the band, like we didn't talk Enneagram, like nobody right. knew what the, I mean, Richard Rohr did, but other than that, nobody knew what the Enneagram was. You're, you know, what 20, are you? I'm a What's three. What's your Enneagram type? A three? Oh yeah, I'm a three. Okay. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm all a about two-wing three. Yeah. Two-wing three, Rob's, Rob's clearly a, a seven I'm as a, he sweeps in late. I'm a seven three, so. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. If I, if I had, see, it's like, because I'm I'm 41 now, so I'm a little pre-internet. Like some of my formative time was a little pre-internet. Mm -hmm. I wish that uh, that my teachers and mentors and coaches and stuff had the had the kind of resources that we have today. Because right. today we could we could do a couple assessments on our kids, on our students, and go, oh yeah, like your strength finder is this, your enneagram is this, your Colby is one of my favorite ones. Your Colby is this, your love language is this. Put those together. That's your user manual. Like mm -hmm. you get a new device. Uh, and you'd want to figure out how it works. Like I, I just got the, uh, the AirPod Pro yesterday. These, these new cool, it's pretty cool. Even the AirPods came with a manual, okay? Even headphones that you stick to your ear and there's a couple, but there's a couple different buttons that you press. So, but people don't come with a manual. Right. And, uh, and I wish I had that because guys, I'm exactly who I was seven, when I was 17 years old. I'm just a little bit more, a little older, a little bit more sanctified, Maybe a little, like just a little humbler, like maybe a little bit, but not, not on most days. But, but I figured out this is what I'm good at, you know, and this, this is what, um, this is the way God made me. And now how can he use me? Because, you know, I think people can be like water. You could, you could drown someone or you could, or, mm -hmm. you know, you could nourish them and, and they're able to drink. you like, yeah. it, it's just a tool. We're just supposed to be tools and like, how, do, how are we best being used? And so I wish I, I wish I had that. You're asking about 360 just to get to that uh, answer. 360 assessment is another tool that I wish I had. I wish I had a way for people around me, circle, three, think 360, people, people around me in my life to authentically and honestly, and even maybe even anonymously say, Brian, here's what you're good at. Here's where you're stuck. You know, here's some feedback. And I honestly, I think my parents were doing that. You know, my parents knew I was a teacher because they said, you should go be a teacher. But I was naive enough not to, not to listen for a while until God had to kind of break me a little bit. Yeah. So what did, what did that assessment reveal, Brian, that in changes yeah. you need to make or, or just lifestyle that made it maybe need to be adjusted? When you did right. that assessment, what came of that for you? Oh, so much. Um, it was hard. So just to give some context, I, my, my business had gotten off the ground. I mean, we've, we fast forward through 20 years of history, right? But, but what, I, what I was doing at the time and still do to some capacity is, is I help people 
uh, with their online message, get their message out in a bigger way. So clarify their, their are they going to do a course? Is it a book? Do they need to build a new website? How do they grow their audience? How do they, you know, become a speaker? Like I work with messengers and, and I was doing it full time for about two and a half, three years and it was okay, but it wasn't at that level of income or impact that I really wanted it to be at. I was kind of stuck. So I, I was interviewing a business coach for one of our brands that, that we were running. And the business coach, right at the end, he said, you know, if you want to take your life and, and business to the next level, do a 360 assessment, which I'd never heard of before. Mm-hmm. So it's this online anonymous survey. You basically send a link to everybody you know, and you say, what do you think of Brian? And they tell you because they don't have to write their name. So reading through that feedback, um, there was positive, there was negative, and then there was sort of like, uh, what else could you say? I skipped over all the positive stuff. I went right to the negative. And just like highlighter on the screen, there was this, this phrase that said, Brian often puts projects over people. Mm-hmm. And dudes, like it was, I don't, that's not who I am. I'm bought with a price. My life is not my own. I've got a wife and kids. I know I love Jesus. Like Brian puts projects over people. We know it's all about people. Like we know this should be all about people. But I made it about my own, um, my own profit, my own projects, and uh, it man, it hit me like a ton of bricks, like a punch in the gut, you know. So from from there, it was just a process of reconciliation, um, apologizing, a lot of apologizing, and and a lot of introspection. If that's how I come across to these people, do I? How do I stop that? And how do I not keep doing it to new people? Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's a that's a great acknowledgement that, you know, there's that repentance process, there's that yeah. restoration process that you mentioned. But um, as well as you know, it requires a lot more than just an apology and a repentance. It also requires a change yes. of how you actually do your work or how you actually serve the people, right? So, right. so talk to me about that change process because that's not easy because then you're bending your own sort of natural inclinations to, to lead a certain way or yep. to serve a certain way. So tell me about that process of how you actually began to implement change in your own life uh, to create sustainable sort of uh, change in, in the lives of your teams or the people you're working with. It, you're right, it's a process. But I really do believe change happens in an instant. Hmm. and. I know that's a little controversial because people have trauma and people have, you know, difficult situations. And I, I, I get that. And just like hear empathy, like, like I know that people have had tough times, right? right? Yeah. But change begins in an instant. It just happens in a moment. I absolutely 100% believe it. Change happens when you decide. That's where, that's exactly the moment of change. And what God does, because we're, we're going to talk about God, what God does is his kindness leads us to repentance. And often that's where it starts, right? It, it starts with repenting. It starts with going, whoa, I made myself the king of my life. And I'm not, I'm not the king of my life. I've been sitting on somebody else's throne and I've been running life the way I want to. Me, 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 my phone, my screen, my time, my habits, mm-hmm. my routines, me, me, me. And I'm not the king of my life. And, and so mm-hmm. it sounds so simple, but it took me. 40 years to, to finally go, okay, fine, God, like what else? And his kindness, he doesn't go all of this. You must give it all today. It's slowly because he works slow but with people who need him to work slow. And that's what he was doing. So the 360 assessment was really the first, the first step is just seeing how I was hurting people by um, not listening by overstepping them, by going around mm. them to finish something and then hurting their feelings and then apologizing later. Like those are things that I still struggle with. Um, what he's been doing recently is um, just continuing to call me to rely on him in big ways. Like, yeah. like looking at my life as like, okay, like what else? Like what, where else? And so it's, it's learning other people's love language. It's learning how they work. You know, we have a big conference that literally starts tomorrow, 450 writers from across the world coming to the hope writers conference. It's one of the things I do is co-run hope writers. And, uh, one of our team members is artistic and, uh, and I would say probably a little sensitive to like the way I say things. And so just the other day, like three days ago, I, I sent her a Voxer message and I said like, 
what are you loving about this project? I would never ask that. That's just not a natural question Brian would ask, you know? I don't care. Do the work, right? Yeah. And I said, what are you loving about this project? And she left me a four, four minute and 21 second Voxer message telling what she's loving about the project. And my only response to her was, thank you for sharing. I will listen to this over and over again. Now, now granted, that, that's... Emily P. Freeman, who has a great way with words. So yeah, I'm right. sure it was very artistic and well said. I, I know another Hope yeah. Writers group. So Emily is, is a master with words. So I'm sure it was a beautiful message. It, it wasn't actually Emily. It was one of our team members. But yeah, Emily, Emily's amazing. And um, yeah, she does have a beautiful way with words. Yeah, because I'm more the marketing strategist. So I'll go like, this is what we want to do. And I'll like, right. like throw up on paper. I'll be like, here's what we want to do. Yeah. And then Emily will come along and then like make it art. <laughs> I'm like, how did you do that? <laughs> like, I don't even want to know how, but you do it. But anyway, this, this one team member le leaves me this message. I wrote her back and I just said, thank you. I'll listen to this repeatedly. And that meant the world to her. Like mm -hmm. that just opened up our relationship in a way, and here's here for those that are listening that are like, this sounds like a waste of time. Why would you do this kind of level of investing in people? She shows up bigger. Like she gets places earlier. She's more thorough. She cares more because she feels cared for, right? right. People care more when they feel cared for. Yeah. And I realized I wasn't caring about people. And, and here's the, like God only in his providence, the way he works is as this book is launching, as, as the start with your people is coming out a month, and a half before it comes out, I have my 20-year college reunion up in Canada where I was in this big car accident and I was in the band. And tw 20 years later, and, and two of the, the band members I'd, I haven't talked to for, for like 15 years, not like we're mad at each other, but like just life, you sure. know? And we had about three days of just deep connection, mm -hmm. reminiscing, and we played a show together. Cool. <laughs> and we got to... We got to relive those, those memories. We got to play our old songs together. And it was such a redemptive time of just, of, of it was even beyond forgiveness. There's a sweeter level beyond, you were saying like forgiveness yeah. is the first step or apologize in the first step. You're right. Because there's reconciliation. And then there's, uh, you know what? The Bible, Bible calls it unity. There is unity. And, and guys, I just challenge you listening right now. Our world is not about unity. Our world right. is about identity, right? About, about individuality, about living out your truth, right? And about being the, your most authentic self to the detriment of other people. It's like mm. that kind of Heisman mm. pose, you know, like we're pushing other people away so we can right. hold onto our ball, you know? And, and unity is so much sweeter than self-actualization. Unity is so much sweeter than pursuing our creative art because for, to be known and to know is, is, I believe, that that's just a little glimpse of heaven. That's, and it's so sweet. And we had this sweet time together. And it was, it was absolutely incredible. And only the way that God works. It comes out right before a book about people comes out. So that was, yeah. that was pretty awesome. Yeah. I love your uh, point on unity, and I'm not going to get preachy here, mate. This is not time and space for that. But <laughs> Bring it, brother. Man, I love, <laughs> I love, I love, John 17 is one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. Yep. And I think this idea of unity is is um it's kind of like love it's a word that we've just tossed around yeah. right and it's become so much less than what it actually means yeah. but biblical unity true unity is what defines for the world the reality that jesus is real right so it's it's well beyond that apology moves into reconciliation right into that idea of unity and we could take a, a hundred different subjects we could take racism we could take all kinds of things and if we pursued pursued unity maybe even over reconciliation in some cases right. absolutely 100 percent. Right? It, it would it would literally change the landscape of what we do who we are uh, as a church right yeah. so anyway i appreciate your perspective perspective on that and like i said i don't want to get preachy this ain't the place for that so but uh, uh but we don't you, take offerings here is the problem but you can so. call me no. <laughs> just, kidding. <laughs> just kidding uh but brian honestly what what i what i've heard and i'm gonna summarize sort of what i'm hearing is yeah. is the old brian was about projects the the transformed brian's about people how can you help us move from simply getting things done to being about the people we're serving? <laughs> it's like hilarious that you asked me that question. Like the people that really know me would be like, 
Uh, Brian, you still struggle with that every single day. <laughs> you know, like it's true. Every it's a day. Uh, the subtitles, the the daily decision that changes everything. Like it's a daily decision to get. Uh, what one of my old pastors would say: the problem with being a living sacrifice, because we're called living sacrifices, is that living sacrifices will get up off the altar. You know, That's true. It's like, whoa, dude, I got to surrender today, and I surrendered yesterday, but that means I always have to surrender today, every single day. So, um, what it means is over communication, which I don't like because it's a waste of time. But uh, for example, today. After we're, we're done with our talk, I, we have set up for the conference. And so the first thing I did this morning, after I have this whole morning routine and checking with my family and everything, but like first work thing I did today is I over-communicate. So I sent a Voxer message to my team and I said, you know, today's the day. I'm so excited. I can't wait to see you. Just a reminder, here's when I'm going to show up. Here's what I'm going to bring. Just want to check in on you guys to make sure you're okay if you need anything from me. That right there set the tone for the rest of the day. Because Brian's coming to serve, right? Brian's showing up to put them first. And I wanted them to know my plan, my expectations. And then also like, I, I am, I'm here to help them. I'm here to answer their questions if they have questions. But people usually just don't want to ask questions because they don't want to feel like an idiot, you know? So right. every single day, I ask my wife, Julie, what, like, what do you need from me today? Or what can I do to rock your day? Or, um, you know, where, where are you stuck today? Like, there's a lot of ways to ask it. It's like, hey, how can, I show, how can I show up and serve you today? What can I do to make your day is usually what I say. Uh, and she always has something. And usually it's really small. It's like, can you make sure the gas is filled up? Okay, no problem. Because I got some errands anyway. I'll go fill up the gas. And then I use the technology to go, when I am five miles from home, remind me to fill up gas. And Siri somehow knows what that means. You know, <laughs> that's all it is. It's just like yeah. flipping our perspective. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, so I want to switch gears with you a little bit. And, and we off air talked about this, but, but Rob and I are at a place where we're at similar age that you're at, yep. um, evaluating how we go forward, how we multiply what we do. Um, we have both been in ministry a, a, a good amount of time um, and have kicked around the idea of writing books and speaking and all these things. Um, and we know that online is the space that where people are. We've talked yep. with guys like Kevin B. Jennings and, and some other people in the social world who have uh-huh. helped us sort of understand that, that you got to go where the audience is. Jesus was king of that. Um, okay. The audience is, is in the socials and online. How do we as people of ministry, people of faith, begin to get into the online space and not seem salesy, not seem, I use the word off air, skeezy. Skeezy, that's the yeah. word of the show like, today, the man. Um, and, and present something that that's a resource and beneficial. Yeah. That's, that's, that's li- like literally the million dollar question, because if you figure it out, like a million a year is easy. Like if you know who your people are, so it's actually three legs of the stool. And this is what I, this is what I do for a living now is I, I consider myself a clarity coach. I help people figure out their audience, mm-hmm. their message and their product. Those are the three legs of the stool. So it starts with your people. It's the name of the book. It starts with your people. Who is your dream client? Who is it that you're helping? And generally, the real shortcut is it's you three years ago. And over the last three years, you figured out something that you wish you knew 10 years ago. Like, think about it. If you just knew, okay? Like, for example, my wife and I just had a conversation about porn. And I explained that as a guy, it's still something I struggle with. And here is how I'm dealing with it. But I want you to know as my wife, this is still an issue because I'm a human person and this is part of the condition, right? But we had this really deep and rich conversation about this. I didn't have that conversation 10 years ago and I definitely didn't have it three years ago. I wish I, wish I knew 10 years ago what I've learned in the last three years, which is the more I lean on Julie, my wife, the more I look to her, the more I'm open to her counsel She's not my kryptonite. She can be my superpower. I wish I knew that 10 years ago. I've learned it in the last three years. So my message, okay, so my, who's my audience? My audience is me three years ago that didn't know. Lean on your wife, even in things as hurtful and shameful and, and embarrassing as, as porn or, or finances or overscheduled or Mm. how you feel about your boss and your job or how you feel inadequate as a dad, like lean on your spouse in those really awkward, weird places because you're one, right? You're supposed to be united. We talked about unity before. I wish I knew that. 
So who's my audience in this case? My audience could be guys who haven't figured that out yet. So maybe it's newly married guys. Maybe it's guys that have been married five years, not 17 years. What's my message? My message is the more you lean on your spouse in certain ways, because there's ways to do it and ways not to do it, right? The more you lean on your spouse, the more there's unity, the more there's power, the more you can live in that same power, addressing the same pain, leading to the same page with the same plan, living in the same power. So that is the message part. And then you look at, well, what are the products? That's the P in, in AMP, right? To AMP your online business. What are the products? Well, the question is, where is that guy stuck? So let's give him a name. Let's say Jared. Jared is 27 years old. He's been married for two years and he doesn't talk to his wife about anything. He mm -hmm. hides finances from her. He struggles with porn. He doesn't talk about it. He doesn't love his job and he thinks she won't understand any of that. So that's, so the message is, here's how you can start leaning into your wife. Here's how you can grow as a man. Now, how do I sell things to you? Well, I don't sell anything to you. What I do is I walk with you. And as I'm walking with you, yeah. there will be areas that there are cliffs. <laughs> like there are snakes in the grass. There are cliffs that you could fall off of. There are roadblocks and speed bumps and, you know, landmines. And me as your, as your coach, I'm going to make sure you don't die. <laughs> so, so let's walk together. And what do you not know? Oh, as we're walking together, you don't even know that um, you don't have to struggle with porn anymore. Like you just think you have to live your whole life struggling with that. You don't have to struggle with that. So mm. you don't know that. Okay. I need to teach you that because I'm answering a real person. So I'm helping Jared in, in this example. Okay. So what does he need? Well, that might be a, a blog post. That might be an online course. That might be a, a sermon series. Mm. That might be an online video series for free, but let's figure out how we can help Jared move forward. And then as he moves forward, well, what else does he need? How can I help him get to a point where he and his wife are simpatico? They are just like so tight together because the world just doesn't know what's coming when a husband and wife are on the same page. Like they yeah. just don't even know. The impact that Julie and I have had in our community alone is just crazy because I've learned to turn towards her. And you hear me getting emotional about it? That's the message. So the message isn't, you know, go sell better razors online or something. The message is like, what do you wish you knew? You were dying to know and you didn't even know it 10 years mm. ago. How can you focus on one person, serve them well? And then what happens is when people pay, they pay attention. So if I just did this all for free for Jared, he's going to say, thanks a lot. And that's it. And he's gone. He won't even implement it. So now how do I charge in a way that he invests in that future and, uh, and implements what he learns so that he can achieve the goal or the results that he wants to achieve. Yeah. Wow. I, uh, I'm trying to suck that in for a second. I was trying to take notes. Yeah, we'll have to edit all that out. Like slow that down um, half speed maybe. Yeah, like. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, in our entrepreneurial sort of culture that we live in, uh, and I forget which which uh, host ho, uh, show we had where somebody talked about the side hustle. Who was that? I can't remember. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Point is, I think in our culture, especially in, in our Christian culture, we're making a shift on the, how we actually see, view, and use money, not only just in the church, but just in our faith in general, right? So um, I think there's a big change there. And I think one of the things that's really critical to this generation, which is, Part of the reason why we launched this podcast anyways, we want to be better stewards yep. of how we impact, influence, and sort of, you know, invest in uh, this culture and this generation that we're a part of, this college culture. Yep. And important to them is this entrepreneurial idea, right? The side hustle, whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I think, you know, what I'm trying to boil down to is we're shifting the way we think about money, right? Yeah. So how do we think about it in a healthy way from a Christian perspective that doesn't have the echo and the smack of some of the more unhealthy perspectives that have existed uh, in the church, especially in the last 20 or 30 years? I love talking about money. <laughs> you know who else loves talking about money? Jesus. Jesus, Jesus yes, talked about money did. more than anything else. Yeah, because he knew he knew how it's going to be. It's going to be a stumbling block for us. It's going to be something that we have to have, we have to use, but we don't know how. And it's going to become we're just going to get cut. It's like a knife, like in the hands of a four year old. Like we will not know what we're doing here, and somehow we'll get cut. Um, 
So there's a book, there's a chapter in Start With Your People in my book on money mindset. And I just, I, I say like the first paragraph, this is the chapter I did not want to write. I did not want to write this chapter. I did not want to go there. I did not want to talk about money because I know everybody gets really um, wonky about it. Like they just feel so weird about it. Um, here, here's the thing. Never talking about money, never seeking to actually earn money, never charging the client isn't service. It's not helping anybody. And we can call it ministry or we can call it a nonprofit, but it's, it's actually just an excuse. And it's an mm. excuse to not doing excellent work. Because the Bible actually says a worker is due his wages. And he was using it in the context of sending the disciples out for the first time. He was saying, go get paid, guys. That's what he said. Go get paid, guys. Okay, that's Brian's version. <laughs> two by two, sent him out. And he said, and if they don't pay you, if they don't listen to you, shake off the dust from your feet. Basically, move on to the next person. He, Jesus was teaching us marketing strategy. So, uh, I think that there's some broken money mindset kind of issues because the church is just, the church is the bride of Christ. Like if Satan's going to take anybody down, who's he going to take down? Right. He wants to take the church down. Like he wants to take preachers down. Are you kidding me? We, all, we both have a long list of preachers who have been taken down, you know, because they, they're the shepherds. Like they're the people that everybody's looking to. Of course, you know, uh, Satan wants to take them down. And money is a really easy way to take somebody out or take somebody down. Um, but it, avoiding it is not the solution. It's using it. It's learning to be a skilled master. Um, so what I did, and I talk about this in the book, is I had to read four books on this topic because my, my mindset was so messed up. And it wasn't that somebody taught me wrong. It was you just learn things in a weird way. You know, right. you just learn through being in an environment, you know, like, I don't know, you're a kid, you grew up and you, you think that all your neighbor's names are Mr. and Mrs. because that's how you hear it. But they actually have first names. You're like, wait, they have first names too? It just doesn't make sense because you grow up thinking things are a certain way because nobody told you that it's different. So um, real quick, we can put it in the show notes. The, um, the books are not in any kind of order, but I started with the treasure principle which is just understanding that's not your money. It's you got a steward of the money. Um, then I read uh, Business by the Book by Wayne Grudem. He's a you know theologian guy. So that was yeah. like Bible stuff. So Randy, Randy Alcorn's book was, was um, Treasure Principle. It was more of like mindset. Grudem was more about like theology. Um, and then I read um, Thou Shalt Prosper, which is by Daniel Lappin, who's a, who's a rabbi, a Jesus-following rabbi, who basically said, God uses rich people look at that, like, let me show you. And then just to icing on the cake, uh, I read uh, Chris Valaton's book called Riches, Poverty, and Wealth, where he argues that Jesus actually was very well-funded and how our ministry should be well-funded because that's how we make the biggest impact. So those four books knocked me on my, off my feet, you know, in terms of my money mindset. What I've, what I've learned, I've learned this from Mike Hyatt, when people pay, they pay attention. I already mentioned that before. And it's so true. Like I start, I, I used to not charge for coaching. I just help people and hope they buy my courses. And what I realized is if I charge for coaching, people will show up, not cancel. They'll take notes. Mm. They'll pay attention. They'll implement what I said to do. They'll do it. They'll get results and they'll hire me again. So I went from charging zero to charging a couple hundred dollars to now I charge a thousand dollars for three calls. People hire me for that. I just had one right before our call. She was taking notes. I told her to read two books. She's going to go read those books. And she'll go do that work. She'll get the results. And that will lead to um, sustainability. Our, our friend Ben Arment says, you don't just need a dream, but you need a sustainable dream. Mm. And you were mentioning the entrepreneurial culture. I would actually challenge you and say it's a entrepreneurial culture. It's a lot of people playing business because they want to look cool. Entrepreneurship's cool. Yeah. Gary Vee made it cool. They want to yeah. have a brand. They want to have an Instagram following and a logo. And they want to say that they're a, a CEO or a business owner. But if, if they haven't made a dollar, they're just a entrepreneur, you know, and it's not serving anybody. So I actually think that there's more service in, um, in generating that profit, in hiring a team and serving your clients well, and, and then radically giving. Like, think about what God could do if we were to make $3 million a year instead of 30 k a year. Like, what could he do with that money? It's absolutely insane to think about. Yeah. And that's what I would challenge you. Like if you're not at 3 million, like let's get you there. Let's stop thinking in poverty of like 30K a year is just enough. My little side business, that's playing small. 
Yeah. Yeah. My, my wife often quotes her, her grandma. She calls her granny. Um, she said, poor people have poor ways. Yeah. Like they just, they just always kind of stay in that thinking of, of poor mindset and never overcoming that. And so I think it's an important conversation. And, and what I love about it, Brian is nothing you said had this, this air of it's about me. It's about yeah. what can I give? Yeah. Like even, even in the, even in the, the let's make 3 million, let's make 3 million so we can give it away. Um, a, a good friend of mine and, and professor mentor here on campus says, uh, freely you receive, freely give. So what we've been given, we give away. And, and I yeah. think that's a valuable, valuable sort of belief. And I think it, it ties back to this money conversation that, that it's okay to have money and give it away because we make the most impact if we got something to give. Yeah. Um, so, so the tension that's felt sometimes with that. I'm with you. Keep going. Um, is when, when people of ministry... Yep. set out to to do something other than not other than ministry but other than right. give it away you know you said first you were coaching for free pastors create resources and the expectation let's be honest the expectation oftentimes is from from the people the outside world is that's going to be given away for free yep. how do we how do we do that with integrity begin to create products and, and say there's value to it and I want you to buy the product and it's not just simply a free giveaway? Wow, I love the question. And this is the tension that I live in. This is the tension that why we started Hope Writers four years ago is that tension because most of our members are 35-year-old female Bible study teachers that want to mm. write a book and they are allergic to money and they can't make it, <laughs> but they want to serve Jesus. And I'm like, but you have to make money in order to keep paying for your, your, your lights to keep on to stay on and pay for your website hosting. Um, and, and I think it's really easy for us to, two, two things to consider. One of them is to play to the critics, to, to write for the critics, to listen to the voice of the critic. And you have to know the critic is not your audience. The critic will never be convinced. And, um, so that's number one, but then number two is to make people your critics there. You don't have a lot of critics. Like you get to a certain level of your business where you start to have some critics, but right now you probably have zero critics, but, but you're, you, but we, we put these expectations on people that they're going to criticize us or they're going to be our critics when most of the time they're, they're excited for you. Congratulations on the new book. That's awesome. Wow. I'm so glad you guys built that house. I'm so glad you got that awesome, nice car. That's awesome. Those are three things that have happened to me in the last year. I have not had one person say something negative. And yet, in my mind, people are going to be critical. Oh, he built right. that. Mm. Launched a book. Look at the car they're driving. It's better than the one they were driving. What was wrong with the one before? Why are they driving that one? There are no critics. Like, critics, like Jesus had a ton of critics, and yet he had zero critics, if you think about it, right? Like, he just knew who he was for. And, and he called people on, on the BS when it existed. And most yeah. of the BS came from the religious leaders, right? But, but I, I, I think the big elephant in the room is what about those big mega preachers, preachers and sneakers, you know? I love those guys. I hate to say it. I'm going to just. Like, what do, what do we do page. about that? You know, I, I think it's a necessary conversation to have, but don't have, as a, don't have it as a critic, don't, don't throw rocks at the bride of Christ. Like right, yeah. don't have Amen. it as a critic. So I, I would say it's, it's just a plank eye thing, right? Like, okay, cool. So you don't like that, whatever. Furtick wears like $3,000 sneakers. That's fine. Let's take a look at the log in your own eye. Let's take a look at the poverty mindset that you have. Let's take a look mm -hmm. at the fact that, you know, um, he who doesn't work doesn't eat. Like that's literally in the Bible. Like what are you doing to show up for your clients to to, uh, to serve people well, to charge ethically, to really be a diligent worker, go read the Proverbs and then you can go criticize Furtick. <laughs> like go, go read the Proverbs and ask, am I being a lazy bones or am I being somebody who's really showing up? And I just got to say, you know what? He probably is going to work on you for the next 40 years. And maybe, maybe year 41, you can start talking about the big mega, mega preachers out there. But like maybe, maybe just work on you know, showing up for your family and showing up for your clients for the next 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go back to, I want to go back to one thing. This is so good. And I wish we had another hour. Yeah. Um, but 
I think there's, you, you've kind of tapped into something. Maybe this is a little bit too personal. Maybe this turned into a it, counseling man. session. But <laughs> I think for years, personally, I've prided myself in saying, um, I've never charged to preach somewhere that somebody's mm-hmm. asked me to go preach. Right. Now I've gotten paid. I'm not saying I haven't gotten paid. I've, I've gotten paid plenty, but, yep. but I've almost prided myself in that false humility That's what of it is. saying, I don't charge to do the work of the kingdom. Right. And you're really challenging me on that right now. And I'm not sure <laughs> if I'm, if I, uh, Thanks, if, Brian, that's yeah, going to be a long lunch conversation. It's going to be a long me. lunch conversation. <laughs> um, it's not that I don't understand my value. Like I, I, I clearly understand like what other people who have done what I've done that's right. are getting paid to do what they do. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I think, I think we have to remove maybe some of the scales from, from our eyes as people of faith about this money mindset. That's right. Um, and, and I, you know, I'm just, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just venting my own personal struggles right now, but I think, I think in order for me to achieve the impact and the influence that I want to have for yes. the kingdom of God, I'm going to have to change some views that I've got about how to get there. That's right. I so don't good. exactly know what that means quite yet. Well, so. here's, here's, a, here's a quick tip. Whenever you're in that situation where you feel like you are that critic, right? Does not, what is it? Does not sit, sit in the seat of scoffers. Isn't that, I think mm-hmm. that's Psalms, right? Like Psalm you feel, one, I think. Yeah, Psalm 1. You're a scoffer. When you find that you're being a scoffer, which it means looking at somebody and going, I can't believe what Mark Driscoll did. I can't believe what Steve Furtick did. I can't believe what John MacArthur said about Beth Moore. Like whatever it is, and you are becoming a scoffer, clear biblical teaching not to do that. Clear. Don't be a scoffer. Instead, find a mentor and find a model. Right. Mentors and models. So find somebody in your life already who is not being a scoffer, somebody in your life already who can help you see the long view. That's important because then you can ask them real questions and then find a model of somebody who's doing it well. Like somebody mm-hmm. who's, who, who's, who's doing it in such a way that you're like, I love the way they're doing it. We, I want to do it that way. So for me, uh, Carrie Newhoff, Carrie's a friend. I've worked, worked with him. He's killing it online. Are you kidding me? And, and I love the way he does it. I think he's ethical. I think he's moral. I think he's strategic. I know him personally. Like, good dude. He's a model for me. John Bevere. John and Lisa, the way yeah. that they're running Messenger International, he gets paid a lot to do what he does. And, not but, but and, he gives a ton of it away and he gives so much value to people. Um, there, there are two examples in the ministry world that I just look and I go, if Carrie can do it and John can do it, man, that's cool. I'm there. So I'm not going to look at everybody else I want to scoff at. I'm looking at those two guys. And then in, in my world, um, you know, there's a lot of examples, but, but I, I, one of my first clients that I worked with was Michael Hyatt and I just got to see behind the scenes. He's a good dude. Like he serves people well. He, he makes a ton uh, financially, but the impact that he's making is incredible. And so I, I'm just not going to throw rocks at other people, especially because right. I don't know their context. I don't know their situation, but, but looking at who are people that I can follow and who can give me counsel when I'm getting in my own head uh, has been game changing for my own business. And for, especially for people in ministry, like just focus on the people, the, the word the Lord gave me a few, a few weeks ago. That's just like right now in my life is work your land. It's like Brian, just mm. work your land. So don't, don't go work in other people's lands. Like just work your land, right? I got to show up for my team. I don't need to go tell people how to run their team. Let me serve my team really well first. That's so good. Brian, we, uh, we, we talked off air. We record here at the Lee University campus and we engage a lot with college students um, who have such a, a, an interesting, interesting generation we're in. They are advocates and they are change agents and they are entrepreneurs. So to this generation, um, this younger generation that, that wants the platform in some regard, but also wants to make change, what would you say to them? What's the first step they can make in, in moving forward into that to be change agents and, and make a living at the same time? Go get right with your dad. Mm. Mm. Not a preach. Yes, indeed. <laughs> my, my dad is amazing. Word, man of God, studies the Bible, and yet I should on him all day. My dad should do this. My dad should do that. 
who, who am I to, to tell my 70 year old dad how he should live his life? Like, Oh my word. That's my, that was my plank for a while. And then once I dealt with that, my dad and I signed up for a stand-up comedy class. We did eight weeks in a row and we just built relationship and we got to tell these terrible jokes in front of people because we're horrible stand-up comedians because we don't know what we're doing. Built relationship. And then, and then it was my mom. Oh, I got to go work on my relationship with my mom. And she and I went out to breakfast the other day and I said, mom, what recommendations would you have for me as a dad? Like, what would you say? I like, I got a couple questions. So yes, you want to go change the world. I get it. But that starts at home. It starts with the people across the breakfast table from you. And for college, college kids, I get it. I've been a college kid. I've worked with college students. It's probably that familial relationship. It's not across the world. It's not the mm-hmm. followers on Instagram. Yeah. It's how you're looking to your family. It's how you're treating the, for me, it was how I'm treating my bass player in college. You know, It's how I'm showing up for my professors because all of that sticks with you. You're, you're, you're practicing who you're gonna become and, and those relationships are so important. So leaning into them and um, start there, serve there. And, and here's, here's what happens, like here's the good news. Like there's fruit from all of this labor. You don't do it for the fruit, but the fruit inevitably comes. It's, just, it's the fruit right. of the Spirit. It's just it's the biblical principle that when you rely on the Lord, fruit comes. And fruit's delicious. Like We like fruit, right? So leaning on my family, leaning back into my home team, especially my, my parents and just showing up in that way. And then I just got invited to, to um, lead the leadership retreat at, at Columbia International University, my, my, where I got my master's. For 20 years, they never asked me to do anything. And I got my feelings hurt. Like, I'm a speaker. I'm an author. Like, why haven't I spoken in chapel ever? And I was praying to the Lord. And I was like, Lord, and I'd been doing all this, the soul work, this relationship work. And, and one day I wrote in, I guess I do this holy hour thing that's journaling in the morning in prayer. And literally he said, you're ready for CIU. I was like, what does that mean? And then that day I got an email from CIU inviting me to lead their leadership retreat. Oh, man. Now, that's insane. And I know it's, you're probably listening going, that's not true at all. It absolutely is true. And it doesn't happen all the time, but every once in a while, there's this delicious plum and you're like, where'd that come from? Or delicious, whatever it is, the fruit comes, but you got to do the work. And many of you guys, the work begins at home. I it's love really that. I, I was not expecting that answer. No, I love that. That's and so good. Ironically, you mentioned John Brevere. The Lord took me through a season of doing that hard work. Yep. And he used the book, The Bait of Satan. So as, the, as the platform to, to do that change. And when I finally wrestled through this unforgiveness piece and this offense piece that I was dealing with, um, literally within 24 hours of saying, okay, I'll restore this relationship. Jesus said, now you're ready, right? Within 24 hours, I got a call from a guy who I'd never met, never talked to, had never even seen before and said, you know, hey, the Lord's had you on my heart for two weeks but I can't, I couldn't call until today. Would you be interested in pastoring a church? And that's how the whole pastoral ministry thing started for me. And it was just crazy, but I, I love, I believe that story, man. I'm right there with you because I've been in that season. So that's amazing. Yeah. Love it. One, one more thing I just got to say is as a Christian, there's no such thing as a millennial. There's no such thing as a baby boomer. These are worldly labels that we are, we are, uh, we're letting the world prescribe us we're letting mm-hmm. the world put a label on us and we're holding up and we're saying, look, I'm a millennial and this is why I do what I do. Uh-uh. There's no word millennial in the Bible. There's no word baby boomer in the Bible. Like you are here for such a time as this. Yes, you have an opportunity that I do not have. I'm not a student at Lee University. I'm not a, a, a 18-year-old, 19, 20-year-old student. So you have an opportunity, but you're a Christian. Like you are here for a purpose. So don't use the world's definition of who you should be based on your generation, because there is no generation. There is no economy. It's you and the person across the table from you. That's where ministry starts. And I just want to challenge you guys, not, not you guys specifically, but those listening, like don't let those other labels tell you the way you need to be. And even to the point of Enneagram or or strength finders or whatever Mm -hmm. else, I love Enneagram, but I don't have to live in a curse that somebody has over me because I pursue projects over people. 
God will redeem. God can sanctify. He can break us of those labels. And if you're using a label to limit his work in you and through you, mm-hmm. get rid of the label. Cut it off, right? Jesus literally said, cut off your hand if it causes you to stumble. Cut off the, the label of millennial if it's causing you to not show up for people. Amen. Well, that's good. That's good. Brian, I, I, again, I wish we had about three more hours to talk. Um, <laughs> now, I, I don't have three more hours myself, but I, I wish we did. We've got one final question. We ask all of our guests who come on the show. Um, we, again, are here at the Lee University campus. So we'd like to know a little bit about your college experience. Uh, what is one lesson you learned in college that did not take place in the classroom? Now, it can be sentimental or it can be funny or it can be both, whatever you, whatever you have. Oh, that's so good. She'll probably be embarrassed for me to say this, but my, my wife, my girlfriend at the time, um, she had this professor she didn't get along with. And, uh, and so I, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing either, you know? And so we're in the hallway and I remember she's complaining about this professor and saying, he's so hard on me. And I naively said, well, what, what, what are you doing? And she list, like listed out what she's doing. And um, she made a comment about how she's always late for his class. And I said, well, fix that. Like, just be early. And she was mad. She was mad at me for like three days because I told her that. I'm like, just be early. <laughs> you know, <laughs> why don't you be early? And that is the lesson I learned is that there's a reason that things aren't going well. And often we're the catalyst of that. Like we are the contributing yeah. factor to why things aren't going well. So especially uh, college students, because I, I love, you know, consulting and coaching universities, um, students, like figure out what your professor loves and go be a student. I talk about it in the book, which is to make your boss's day. Your professor is the boss of that classroom. Go make your boss's day. Figure out. They love being on time. My dad was a professor for years and the first five minutes of class, he'd have a five minute quiz and people complain all the time. I'm like, how about not complain and how about show up early so you're ready for the quiz? So figure out what your professor loves. Maybe it's their love language. Maybe they need to hear, you did a good job today. That was a great lecture. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. That's it. You do that every day for seven classes in a row, that relationship will completely change. Hmm, that's that's incredible. So how can we stay connected with you, uh, man? We, we appreciate you so much. Where are you at on social media? How can we get in touch? Yeah, I'm on, I'm on Insta. So, so go hit me up on Instagram. Send me a message. Send me a direct message. I'm Brian J. Dixon. If you listen to the show, something I said connected or you have a question, like, go send me a message. I will respond. I want to continue the conversation with you guys because uh, I believe in what you're doing. And here's the thing, where you are, I'm not, you know? So if there's something I can do to encourage you to show up for the people in your life right now, the ripple effects of that are going to be generational. So yeah, send me a message on, on Instagram. I have my own website, Um, But Instagram is a great place to start to kind of uh, stay connected. Yeah. Awesome. We appreciate that. The, awesome. the uh, really great book, the book is called Start With Your People, um, The Daily Decision That Changes Everything. It was a great read. We enjoyed it. Um, and we're going to be giving away, if you listen to this, we're going to be giving away the book uh, with the release of this episode. So make sure you stay connected at our socials at the Collectives Co. Um, podcast on Instagram. We'll be giving away there. Um, and as always, Brian, we tell every one of our guests, you have a seat at the table. Thanks, Thanks Brian. Brian. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Collectivist Code Podcast. Would you do us a favor and subscribe, rate, and review, and share this on social media so this content can reach other great leaders? Mm-hmm.